Don't you just love it when you find a gorgeous pattern that you can't even imagine designing yourself and the designer has done all that math for you in an easy to follow way? Well, this is the specialty of today's guest, a proud Canadian who just happens to live in Iowa. Today, you'll meet the Canuck Quilter. Hello and welcome to the Quilter on Fire podcast, where I explore the stories of teachers, speakers, artists, and everyday quilters to share their tips, tricks, adventures, and day-to-day life that will bring you more joy and less overwhelm in the quilting studio. I'm your host, Brandy Maslowski, also known as the Quilter on Fire, and I can't wait to share with you this week's episode. So, here we go. It's episode 33, and my guest today is Joanne Curtin, the Canuck quilter. Joanne has been quilting for over 20 years and has published over 20 patterns along the way. She loves to play with shapes, colors, and layouts and figuring out the math that goes along with it. She has had her patterns featured in quilting magazines, catalogs, and now teaches and speaks about quilting as well. On her website, she writes, I've finally figured out what I want to be when I grow up, a quilter. So let's get into her story story. Joanne Curtin, welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me. It's so nice to have you here. As a fellow Canadian, I absolutely love your designs, your logo, your website, everything. So before we get into that, though, you've been quilting for over 20 years. So what got you started? My brother's wedding, actually. I needed to get him a wedding gift. And I've been kind of interested in quilting and thinking, I'd like to learn someday, but the cost was an issue there. The money was tight and getting the tools was tight. And so I thought, well, I could buy him a gift or I could use that money to buy quilting stuff <laughs> and I could make him a quilt. So I did. I had a friend at the time who did paper piecing. She didn't, didn't do well with precision cutting. And so paper piecing was a thing for her. So she taught me how to do some paper piecing and uh, pointed me in the direction of a book. And I went to the uh, fabric store and bought some fabric and dove right in. It took me a while. I'll say his wedding gift was about a year and a half late, but you know, he knew it's coming. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that, so your that very first, quilt. so your very first gift was a paper piece quilt. That sounds difficult it to start was. off with. And actually it, it wasn't so much. And I did have Carol to hold my hand a little bit. It's like, okay, am I doing this right? And she pointed me in the right direction. And actually, you know, people are scared of paper piecing. It's not my favorite thing to do. But mm-hmm. I will say it makes it really easy to get those crisp points that looks like you were like a precision piecer, but I, you know, there was no precision cutting happening or anything. So yeah, it, it was my first one and I hand quilted it because I couldn't figure out the machine quilting part, which is probably why it was so late getting to my brother and sister-in-law, but I got hooked. It was my first one and I, I kept going from there. So that was your first quilt, but looking back on your life, is, did you have creative inspiration when you were young? Who's really guided you that way? I loved to make stuff. My dad's mother, my grandmother would love to have me over. I'd love to go visit because she always had something going on. And it's funny, you know, she sewed, but I never learned to sew from her. I learned to crochet. I learned to knit. I learned to do some beading and assorted little crafty things, but never the sewing, but definitely the making side of things. Oh, I love those creative moments. So how would you describe the type of quilting and pattern design that you do? Is it a little bit modern, traditional? I know it's big on color. I like to say I'm on the fence. <laughs> I, some of my designs are more on the modern with you know, asymmetric designs and, and blank and negative space. 
but then sometimes I veer over to the blocks in a row. What kind of secondary designs can I get out of that? And mm -hmm. that's a little more traditional. And some of them mix a little bit of the two, some traditional blocks, but a, a more modern setting. Definitely the bright colors, which I think is a little bit more modern than some of the more traditional things. So yeah. I, I don't know that can pigeonhole quite so easily. It really depends on, on what mood I'm in at that particular point in time. Yeah, well, it's nice to explore everything, right? So where are you in the world and what's the story behind your business name, Connect Quilter Designs? I am currently in Iowa, in Ames, Iowa. It's in central Iowa in the Midwest of the U.S. And we moved down here uh, following my husband's job. He got a job at the university here. And so we moved down for that. And I think it was about 2008 or so I started going online. And I don't know if you remember the time when People said you shouldn't be using your real name online, that mm -hmm. that was giving too much information. So you should have some some pseudonyms. Yeah. And so when I joined an online community, American Patchwork and Quilting had at the time, I I needed to come up with something. And of course, all the all the various quilting names were already taken. And at that particular point in time, I was feeling a little bit homesick. Yeah. And so I um, thought, well, Canuck, there we go. I'm a Canuck. Let's <laughs> put that in there. So Canuck Quilter wasn't taken. So so that's what I took. And by the time that I started my business and, and started moving in that direction, I was known online as Connect Quilter. And so it just seemed like a good idea to just keep that. And, and it does, it's a big part of who I am. So it makes sense to have it in my business name, I think. Yeah. And you're not way down south where all the snowbirds go. So you're probably the lone Canadian quilter everywhere you go in your quilting. Um, pretty much. Like I've met some other Canadians, but no quilting ones. Okay. <laughs> so. Great. And you have such a cute note on your website that quilting is portable. So no matter where you live, you can follow your dreams. Exactly. Well, he explores the stars. So let's give a little shout out to your hubby. <laughs> what does he do? He's an astronomer. He teaches physics and astronomy, mostly the astronomy side, and does some research, astrophysical research as well. It's not something that's hugely portable. You go where the work is with that. It's not uh, exactly available everywhere, but he loves what he does and his students love what he teaches. So it's, oh, uh, it's good all around. That's great. Now, if you're listening and you want to peruse Joanne's website, you can go to www.canuckquilterdesigns.com. She's got over 20 patterns there that we're about to talk about. So you can go check those out, maybe look at them while we're chatting. And if you're like me and you love snowflakes, you're in for a treat. I'm just saying. <laughs> so Joanne, your website is clean, beautiful, full of color. It has over 20 patterns to choose from and so much more. But first, what made you get into your very first pattern? The very first time I designed something of my own was kind of an accident. I took a quilting class in Penticton, not too far from where you're at, actually, where they taught us how to do nine patches by strip piecing. And I had grand plans to do something with that. And when I started putting them together, I realized that my seam allowance was a little off. Mm -hmm. So my six inch blocks were not six inches. And I couldn't get that to fit in, in with anything else because it's, it, it just wasn't a normal size. And so... I put it away for a few years and I came back to it and had a lot of fun finally figuring out how to, how to make things fit. Mm -hmm. And so from then on, I, I did a little designing just for myself, playing around with that. But I bought a pattern to make something for my mother-in-law. She had a round table and I found this really cute pattern for round placemats or different placemats to fit on a round table and a nice little centerpiece. And the design was gorgeous, but I had a lot of trouble following that pattern. It just, there were issues with it. And I'm sure not everybody had problems with it, but I had trouble figuring out even, okay, well, where it says light pink. Well, there's a lot of different shades of pink in this picture, this blurry picture. And <laughs> which one is that? And, yeah. and it was a paper piece one and I was trying to figure out where everything went. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe I could do better. I, so I, I 
figured out what I didn't like in patterns and said, well, can I do better? Can I write a pattern that has more in it? Yeah. And so I had just finished a quilt at that point that people had told me, oh, we really like that. So I thought, okay, let's see if I can write instructions for that and let's see how clear I can make them. And at the time, I was only planning to share them online as PDF downloads. And so, well, there's no reason that I have to keep things down to a certain page count because I'm not printing these. It's not going to be a big deal. So I can just take as much room as I need to to give as much instruction in there as I think will help keep things clear. And so that first pattern ran to about nine pages, I think, which in a printed pattern was like, ooh, that's a lot of pages, seriously. Yeah. But that kind of became my style. And, and so I posted that first one on Craftsy when Craftsy was a pattern marketplace. And that's where I started. It was it was pretty exciting to see it. And the first time that I saw somebody bought my pattern, I was like, oh my gosh, somebody actually bought it. So <laughs> it exciting. So exciting. Oh, that's so sweet. And it seems you often have the distinct Canadian seasons on your mind when you're designing, uh, judging from the red and white quilts, the maple leaf, the seasonal mm-hmm. patterns, and especially the gorgeous snowflakes. So where do you come up with inspirations for your patterns? Oh, boy. Well, one thing I have a lot of would be stars, and uh, that might come from my, my husband with the, mm-hmm. the astronomy side of things. There's the stars there. And stars are just such a, there's so many ways to make those, yeah. um, depending on what kind of triangle you use and how many you use. There's, there's just so many ways you can do stars. So that's kind of fun to play with. And other things, I don't know, the snowflakes. Actually, the snowflakes came from a quilt that I was working on that had leaves. It's, it's called Blaze. It's on my website. And I really liked Blaze. And then I looked at it and thought, well, I wonder what that would look like with snowflakes instead of leaves. Okay, that's fall. Well, what about winter? Well, snowflakes. And so I looked (laughs) around for snowflake patterns and what I found was there's not a lot of them that are six-pointed and snowflakes are six-pointed. They have six-fold symmetry and I could not find any snowflakes that had six-fold symmetry. So I started poking around and saying, well, how can I make that? Okay, well, that's going to be a lot of set in seams. I don't want to do that. So then I thought, okay, well, how do I write a paper piece pattern then? Maybe I can paper piece it. I learned how to do the paper piecing in my EQ8 electric quilt software. Oh, okay. From there. And it, it was kind of fun because I just started with one. And then I thought, well, what if I change the color? Oh, look at that. One pattern will give me four different designs from one pattern. How cool is that? And then I kept going with another and another. And I actually offered them as a, as a sew along back in, I think it was 2015. Time flies. Doesn't seem that long ago. But so I offered them one at a time. So you can make three or four. And then two weeks later, there'd be the next ones offered and so on. Oh, that would but be I've, so fun. And I've been playing with those since then, putting them on Christmas stockings and putting them in quilts and different ways to use them. Yeah. And that kind of leads me in when you say EQ, it leads me into the next question, which is what is your process? Do you do scribble sketching all digital on EQ? It kind of sounds like you have a scientific mind, like with six pointed snowflakes, you want them to be correct, you know, like the real thing. So what's your process? It depends. And it has shifted a little bit over time too. Initially. I very much did the graph paper and scribble on graph paper and and see what I come up with. Now I tend to do more directly in EQ. I'll play around with a block and then drop that in the layout and maybe change the layout. But then some patterns don't lend themselves to that. Some patterns are more of, okay, it's going to be a very asymmetrical, very kind of custom. It's not going to be rows and Mm -hmm. columns. So that's a little bit harder for me to do on the fly. So I'll go back to paper and and do a a little bit of sketching there to get a general idea before I go into EQ and start putting in dimensions and so on. Fun. You must have so much fun in EQ. I do. And then sometimes it's a rabbit hole because it's very easy to say, okay, there's that. But what if I tweak 
just this one little thing. And then yeah. I tweak that. It's like, ooh, well, now what about this? And what about for change? And next thing I know, it's like, oh, okay, I've been at it for two, three hours now. It's like, I do have other Oops. things I need to do today. Oops. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about a few of the patterns. So are your patterns available as PDF or hard copy or both? So they're available as both. I personally sell them direct to consumer as PDF. So if you go to my website, there's a tab there for shop. And that'll take you to my Etsy shop where you can buy the PDF download. And I also sell print copies. I reserve those for shops. Mm -hmm. And so shops can buy directly from me or I also sell to distributors where shops can buy their supplies from. And so if you want a print copy, I encourage you to go to your local quilt shop and let them know that you're looking for a print copy of one of my patterns. Yeah. They can order that for you. Support your local quilt shop. There you go. So let's talk about a few of your patterns. So which one was your very first pattern? And tell us about that one. My very first one. Well, I guess I could, I could say I've got two first ones. This is the first one I wrote and sure. that I, I just gave that one away for free. And okay. it was called String of Diamonds. That was placemats and a runner. I've been on and off offering that one as a free download for various reasons. And that's one that's been really popular. I think there's like fifteen to 20,000 downloads of that one over time, which just blows my mind. And when that went really well, then I posted Wandering Geese as mm-hmm. my first for sale pattern. And right. uh, that one's still popular today. It's been... I think I published that in 2014 Okay, and it is still selling today. I think people just love that rainbow and the motion that flying geese gives to a design. Mm-hmm. And which it's pattern's been, your best seller or has it changed over the years? I think geese across the table, which was my second pattern I ever wrote has just edged into first place in the, in the last couple of weeks. And that's a placemat and pattern also uses flying geese. My former boss at the quilt shop that I worked at thought the flying geese was my thing. It's like, well, it's one of my things. <laughs> it's one thing. <laughs> it's a really useful love. building block. Not all my quilts have flying geese, but it's a really useful building block. Yeah. Um, so f- geese across the table, you can pretty much go with any theme, any novelty fabric or colors, or I've done it in several different ways. And I think that was my best seller at the moment. I've got a few patterns that are starting to overcate. Of course, that one's since 2014, it's had a few years to add up some sales. In my newer releases, I think On the Fence is leading right now as far as, as how fast it's selling, how well it's selling. I released that last fall, I think it was. Okay, great. And that's been very popular. Okay. And which pattern was your most favorite to design and piece? Oh, that's a tough one. Because I think that changes depending on what I'm working on. Yeah. I would say sailing school was a lot of fun. It was uh, very quick to piece with a lot of strip piecing, but then slightly more, more not complicated, but they took a little bit more care blocks because there's some half rectangle units in there. But it was really fun to play with. I released that well, it's, it's been in the Island Petite catalog back in April. So that was pretty exciting to oh, see. Oh, fun. That. Oh, good. So that's okay. fun. Tell us about your red and white quilts. You've got a couple of them. I've got a few. I think my favorite is uh, 150. And you might guess I designed that one for the 150th anniversary. Yeah. Uh, was it 2017? I was, yeah, 2017. And that one was kind of fun to make because I designed it in EQ. I went out to the Northcott website and I saw their O Canada line that they released for yeah. the anniversary. And I fell in love with those those prints. I really love the background print. There's a print that's like newspaper clippings from 1867 and some really nice reds and so on. And so anyway, I designed something in EQ for that. And then, of course, you might imagine that it's not a, a Canadian fabric. So I'm not a huge seller in Iowa. Yeah. It's, it's not exactly 
a hotbed of sales for that here. So my sister-in-law, who lived in Kitchener-Waterloo at the time, I think, I called her up and said, Sue, how do you feel about going to the quilt shop for me? <laughs> and she's not a quilter. <laughs> she's not a quilter, but she marched in with my list. And I was working at the time and I couldn't answer my phone. And when I got off work, I, I looked at my phone. And I felt bad. There were messages from five hours ago saying, well, you know, they only have the, you know two pieces that are cut in this, this length <laughs> and this length. And, you know, will that do? And she muddled through without my without me replying because you know, she, she sent me a really nice bundle. So that was kind of fun. This quilt has 13 small maple leaves on the sides and along the bottom. It's a asymmetrical design. And each leaf is for a province or a territory. And I've gone ahead and quilted the postal abbreviation for the province or the territory. So NB for New Brunswick and NS for Nova Scotia and so on. So that's kind of fun in there to have all of those represented. And then one big maple leaf for just the country as a whole. And I've got that newsprint in the background with all the little the little snippets of information about 1867 on the background. The really fun part about it for me is there's a tiny little inner border before you have the big border all around. And that is actually a tiny sliver of the border print that okay. Northcott had designed. But what I wanted was just that tiny little sliver of the border that was just little maple leaves. I had an insane length of that border print just so I could get enough of that little maple leaf to go <laughs> all the way around. But you don't have to use that. You could use you could use anything for that little border or a little little stripe would fill in there nicely too. That's what I designed for Canada's 150th anniversary. And it was a lot of fun. I put the last stitch in the binding, I think on June 30th at about 1130 at night. So, yeah. so I, I got it finished on time. <laughs> So Do you get to come fun. up and visit your family and friends <clears throat> in Canada a lot? Not as much as we would like, about every couple of years. Yeah, we'd we'd like good. to go every year, but it's down to more every couple, what with yeah. the, the cost of getting up there and being able to spend any time there as well. So yeah. we may be able to go a little more often now that it's just my husband and I traveling. My kids are grown. So yeah. they're, just, uh, they're, they're both in university now. So they're not quite as interested in joining us for trips anymore. So we might get up more often when we're traveling with two people instead of four. It's a little more yeah. affordable. Oh, that's great. So you have had a couple of collaborations with fabric companies. So tell us about that. Those have been really fun and they've really helped me stretch in my designing. The first collaboration I had was with Connecting Threads, and they're a catalog company. They send their catalogs direct to consumers, and you can buy kits and so on, as well as fabric and, and notions. But they will send out to their designers, they'll send out digital fabric swatches. This, these are fabric lines that are coming out in the next eight months or 10 months. Okay. And do you have any designs that would work well with these fabrics? And so when I started working with them, it was a, it really stretched me. I used to design my design first, and then I'd go find a fabric that yeah. would fit in the design. And this kind of made me flip my thinking a little bit where I had to look at the fabric. Okay, what kind of design would work with this fabric? Sometimes I had designs already. Okay, this design, this fabric would look good in this design, but there was a lot of the going the other way around and going, okay, what can I come up with that makes these fabrics really work well? So yeah. I had my first patterns in their catalog in the fall of 2019. And I've been working with them, not in every catalog, but I'd say about 50% of the catalogs since then, I've, I've had um, one or two patterns in it. And that's been a really fun thing to do. Um, and then from there, last year, I was laid off from my job at a quilt shop because of the pandemic. And I found I had more time to design on my hands. And I saw some Island Boutique fabrics that I really liked. And I, thought, oh, I wonder what those would look like in my design. And so I emailed Island Boutique, just their info at Island Boutique and said, do you have digital swatches that you share? Like Northcott has some on their website that they'll share. Yeah. Yeah. And the gal at Island Batik got back to me and said, well, 
we have a call for submissions right now. Would you be interested in doing that? So here's the fabric that we're looking for submissions for. It's like, oh my gosh, it's like 20 collections, 20 different petite collections that I could play with. I could download the swatches into my software and play. That was just so much fun. And they did pick up three of the designs that I came up with for that. And it was really thrilling to see those in their catalog this past April when they released their last catalog. And then I've been doing the same sort of thing with Benyam Batiks and Northcott and Michael Miller Fabrics as well. Oh, fun. And those are all different types of fabrics. They are very different. You know, your batiks are very different than, say, Michael Miller has a lot of very novelty style yeah, prints that, that is a little bit more of a challenge for me i have i have more trouble with the novelty prints i tend to think in color more than yeah theme. so that's been a good stretching exercise there yeah um, oh that's Northcott so great has lovely stuff too so it's been so fun. many great fabrics out there so good so i would love to know what is your favorite part of the quilting design quilting process is it the quilting the design the what do you love the most um, I have to say it's love, hate, love, hate, love, hate. So I love the designing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love the design part. Um, it's kind of fun to see what I can come up with and how, how different shapes work together and how when you put them different together differently, ooh, suddenly it looks totally different. The yeah. one quilt that I just did recently, a small change that I just released, I had it colored in a certain way and it looked very traditional. Mm-hmm. And then I just changed the color of the sashing and the border. Nothing else. The block is exactly the same. But I changed the sashing and the border and suddenly it had this whole modern look going on. Wow. And it's one design, but two very different looks. And I only had to explain the block once because even the color placement in the block is exactly the same. That to me is really fun doing that kind of thing. And then picking out the fabric is pretty fun. Cutting is a little bit tedious. I love sewing it all together because then things start to happen and all these little bits of fabric suddenly start looking like something like a whole. And so that's really exciting. And then there's the basting. I really hate the basting. <laughs> and then the quilting can be kind of fun, depending on what I decide to do on something. You know, if the quilt is actually talking to me and saying, yes, this is what I want. Yeah. We're, we're good to go. Sometimes I do a lot of staring at it going, okay, I guess I'll stitch in the ditch and hope inspiration strikes <laughs> along yeah. the way. And usually it does, sometimes better than others, but usually it does strike. Then I'm not a big fan of putting the binding on, but once it's finished, you know, it's like, yay. And then you get to curl up in it. And that's a favorite part too. Yeah, that's the joy. So before you started your quilting business, did you have another career or vocation that you made the transition into quilting? I had a long meandering path towards (laughs) quilting. (laughs) I actually have a degree in physics, a bachelor's degree in physics, which I never actually used. I think I was in most of the way through my third year of university when I decided, yeah, maybe this is not where I should be. But by that point, I was almost done. So I went ahead and I finished. And then I looked around for what am I going to do next? Yeah. And so I took some computer science courses. I thought computer science physics would be a really good pair. But then, then I moved because my husband went to grad school in Hawaii, actually, which was kind of fun. And it was like, okay, well, we could get married and you can come with me. Or boy, we won't see each other for two years because we didn't have the cash to go back and forth. <laughs> I was like, well, okay, how about I join you? I'm almost done anyway. I can finish computer science classes at the University of Hawaii. That didn't work out because I'd forgotten about differential fees if you weren't a resident then your tuition was way, way higher and couldn't afford that. So I was like a course and a half. Yeah, I think one credit and a half away from finishing that computer science. But while we were there, since I couldn't go to school and I also didn't have a green card so I couldn't work, I started volunteering at the local aquarium. They had a really great docent program where they would teach you how to teach kids all about everything in the aquarium and uh, coral reefs and, and so on. And 
I discovered that I really like to do that was surprising because I was really shy. I used to not like to have to talk to the clerk at the store. You know, I'd go up yeah. to pay for something at the store and I was tongue tied. I didn't like to talk to people or I was, I was too shy. And yet I loved working with these kids. I loved doing this museum education kind of thing. And so oh. I did that at the aquarium and then I started volunteering at historic house there as well. And that was just really fun. And there was a lot of training on different ways to learn and different learning styles and how to put together activities. And, and so that was a lot of fun. And when we moved back to Toronto for the next step of my husband's grad studies, we decided, well, okay, now we're in Toronto. I could finish that computer science degree, but I really, really love this museum stuff. This museum education stuff was really fun. How about if I can find work in that, I'll give myself six months. If I can find work in that field in six months, I'm good to go. Otherwise, I'll go back and I'll finish that computer science. And I did, in fact, find a job at the Ontario Science Centre. And so kind of went, went into that. And from the Science Centre, I went to work at a historic house. And then the kids were born and kind of put things on hold. I volunteered in museums for a little bit. And I started quilting when we were in Penticton. We moved mm -hmm. to Penticton for Charles' postdoc. Started quilting there. I was working on my second quilt when we left Penticton. And then moved down here. And I just... I found that it was really something that it was a stress relief for me. You know, yeah. I moved here, didn't know anybody yet. The kids were little and it was harder for me to meet people because I didn't have work and I didn't have school, which is where I'd always met people. And so quilting was not this stress relief thing for me. That's just kind of how I got into it. And the older the kids got, the more time I had to work on it and the more time I had to play with it. And by the time the kids hit high school is when I started writing my own patterns mm. and at that point, I went to work at the local quilt shop. The owner of the local quilt shop called me up and said, how would you feel about it? I like, ooh, am I still too shy for that? I think I could manage that. <laughs> okay, let's give that a shot. And that was, that was fabulous. I, I worked there almost five years. And meeting other quilters in person, I'd never met other quilters in person before. I'd always yeah. done, you know, except for going to the quilt shop in Penticton and having them teach me how to do binding. Because I had the kids in tow, I couldn't go to the quilt guild because they met in the afternoon and, yeah. and my kids were not going to stay still while we met at the quilt guild. And then we moved here and yeah, there was a quilt shop, but again, the kids were little and there was no quilt guild here at the time. And so when I started working at the quilt shop, actually meeting all these quilters who would come to the shop in person and meet actual live quilters, I really, really appreciate all the online quilters that I met. Yeah. But it's a whole different, it's a different kind of thing when you actually meet people in person as well. And yeah. so it was really great to see what people are working on and what kind of issues do they have with patterns and what kind of color combinations do they use? I know I have one quilt that's purple and lime green and a little bit of aqua. And that is not a color combination that I would have picked out in a million years until I was helping this customer pick out these colors. This is what she wanted to make her quilt in. And at first I thought, okay. It's your quilt. And then the more these tablets we've got to get, like, oh my gosh, I really like that combination. Yeah. And so those five years seeing what other people were doing was a really great way to make me see other possibilities and try some different things, which was really yeah. great. So was there a moment or a milestone in those five years where you thought, okay, this is what I love. I can do this for a living. A lot of little steps along the way. You know, I, there are several steps along the way where I said, oh, you know, I should just go back to doing this as a hobby. This is every quilt that I'm making just seems like there's a deadline and there's pressure there. And I should just, it's, it's sucking the joy out of it. Maybe I should just go back. And then something would happen. And I'm like, Ooh, that was exciting. Yeah. And it would keep me going. <laughs> I would say getting a design in American Patrick and quilting in 2016 was really exciting. I, yeah. I submitted there and I thought, Oh, well, you know, we'll see what happens. I wasn't holding my breath. 
And to get that email that says, we'd like to pick this up and, you know, can you get it done on this time scale? It was like, oh my gosh, yes, 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 I can do that. That's so exciting. And <laughs> um, what yeah. was it like to have that magazine in your hands for the first time? There was squealing involved. I opened the mail. <laughs> squealing. <laughs> I opened the package because they sent it to me. It was three runners that I made for them. And it was a collection that showed different seasons. Like there was a fall one and different fabric choices would make it a spring one and so on. So yeah. we were talking about seasons earlier. Well, this one was all about seasons. Yeah. So I had sent them the runners so they could do their own photography because they do some beautifully styled photo shoots. My photo shoots cannot compare to what the magazines put together. And so I had had to send them the runners and I didn't actually get to see the magazine until they sent it back to me. I saw some proofs. So it was kind of cool to see it on the computer and say, oh, that's going to look pretty cool. But then when they sent me back the runners, there were a couple of issues, a couple of copies of the issue in there. And I got to actually open that magazine. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, looks, it looks so professional. It looks like I'm actually, I have cred now. I'm legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a real quilt designer. Yeah. That is so, so great. So that was exciting. That, that was a, a pretty good boost to keep going. Yeah. So diving a little deeper into your creative process, I love to ask this question of all my creative friends. What brings you the most joy? I would say, well, if we're talking about the creative process, I would say it's playing with colors and shapes and seeing them turn into something else. You know, taking, I've just got a few yards of fabric and they don't look like much. And suddenly after you've, you've cut them and you've started sewing and suddenly this design emerges, that's always the thrill point for me, I think. Just that creative flow. That's so great. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Joanne's workshops, lectures, tutorials, and all kinds of other inspiration on her website. We'll be right back. Northcott Fabrics are famous to quilters for their Stonehenge and O Canada collections. Right here on this podcast, we give away fabric from Northcott Collections, Banyan Batiks, and Figo Fabrics. Look for all of these at your local quilt shop. Northcott, cottons that feel like silk. Sass Boutique is dressing me in style for the podcast. You can check out the podcast trailer on the Quilter on Fire YouTube channel to see what I'm wearing each week. This adorable dress is an Angela Mara design. It's printed linen and it's so comfy. It has little pockets. Just call 250-494-1677. Sass Boutique, beautiful, comfortable, classy clothing. Okay, and we're back. So I've mentioned that your website is com, where you have all kinds of inspiration. So let's talk first about your blog. How long have you been blogging and what do you like to feature there? The current blog dates back to 2010. I blogged for a couple of years on the American Patchwork and Quilting community when they had that and then it changed a little bit and it didn't work as well for what myself and my other quilting online quilting buddies did. So we all migrated to separate blogs and so that was 2010, I believe it was. It was a really good way to stay connected with other quilters and to have community. Since I was quilting by myself at the time, you know, down, down in the little corner of the kids' playroom, that blogging community was so encouraging as far as just, just validating what I was doing, that, yeah, quilting was fun and, and it was okay to quilt just because you felt like it. It didn't have to have some yeah. big meaning attached to it. You could just do it because... It made you feel good. And, and uh, like I said before, it was a stress reliever for me. It just, you know, I, I'd start quilting and, and my brain was focusing on what I was doing. So that quilting community has really been wonderful for me. And there's people that I still follow and that still follow me that we started together back in 2010-ish. And they're still blogging. Some of them have dropped off the face of the earth. You know, life, life gets in the way of things sometimes. But some are still there. I have a quilt that we made 
a bunch of us from that. I think there were 12 of us who participated in that. We did a block swap. We all made the same block and every month you'd get, you'd send some out. And when it was my month, it was also exciting to get everybody's blog of blocks coming into the mailbox and they're all signed. All these bloggers that I started blogging with, I have this quilt of these blocks that they have all signed with their names and where they're from. There, were, there was a lady from Australia. There were several people from the States or someone in Canada. That was really fun. Oh, that's great. It's kind of like a chronicle of your quilting adventures. It really is. And you, you can see how things change. You know, go, go oh, what, was I, what was I sewing back in 2010? And mm-hmm. how has my child sh- style changed from 2010 till now? It, it's kind of fun to go through that and see. And I have some tutorials on there as well when I had something that I wanted to share, how, techniques that I wanted to share or blocks that were kind of fun that people said, oh, I like what you did with that. And oh, well, you know, why don't I just make a tutorial for that? So I have a few of those on there as well. Yeah, so your tutorials are on your website, and then they link back to these really nicely laid out full blog posts, right? Yes, they are full blog posts with, I've tried to take pictures of every step. There's, I think there is one where I have a little, oops, I forgot to take pictures of that part. So here's a like little, it looks different, but it's the same step. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a different fabric, because I forgot to take a picture of that one, but I think you really need a picture of that. I tried to take pictures of every step, and I tried to explain and I think it goes back to that museum education training that I had, the idea that not everybody learns diff- not learns the same. Mm-hmm. You know, some people really need the picture. Some people really need the words. And that's something I think going forward, I, I want to try to dip my toe into video tutorials. I'm slowly getting myself organized as far as what equipment I need to do that and how that will all work. But I don't want to let go of the print tutorials either or the still photo tutorials because some people yeah. like to have... They don't want to have to stop the video and do something and then turn it on again and do the next thing and stop and backtrack. They like to have it say still on the screen until I'm done with that step. The instructions are there. Then I can move on. But other people really like the video. People want, you know, other people really need to see it done. So people learn in different ways and, and I'm trying to accommodate that in different ways. So yeah. um, video will be the next step. Yeah, I love video <coughs> tutorials, but the blog ones are really good for me because I have a large screen and I can actually stop it on that photo and then I make it and do whatever I need to do and I can see it from my cutting mm-hmm. table and then I can just go back and on the video, you have to keep stopping and starting and backing and you know, it's a little right. different. It's just a little right. different way to take in the technique. So that's yeah. great. So let's talk a little bit about your new section about inspiration. I love it. So tell us all about that. So I called it inspiration, but I also could have called it ideas that pop into my head that I don't, I don't have time to work with. <laughs> okay. If you go on that page, you might see, for example, I've got a picture of my quilt pattern blaze, and then I've got it side by side with the same design, but using, I think I talked about it earlier, about snowflakes instead of maple leaves. Yeah. And that's a quilt I'd really, lo- I'd really love to make it, but I, I haven't had time to make it. It's like, okay, let's throw it out there and see if somebody else has time to make it. Mm-hmm. And The other idea behind that page is to give people an idea that you can go beyond what's on the pattern cover. I know it's very easy to look at a pattern cover and say, ooh, I like that quilt. I want it exactly that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to recreate that quilt, you know, knock yourself out. It'll be gorgeous. And if you love it, that's all that matters. But sometimes you will run into the problems like, I want to make it exactly like that, but that fabric's not available anymore. Or I can't find those colors. Or I can't find, I can find those, but I can't find everything to go together. And so the idea is to kind of think outside the, outside the pattern cover a little bit. And what could you do with that? Um, yeah. One thing that I like to do is take a pattern that has some blocks. And okay, well, you could make the whole quilt. Or, oh, look at that. If you just take those blocks, you can make a runner. And yeah. so I can try that design out without having to make the whole big quilt. I could just make a runner instead. And so I've tried to put ideas on that page on things that you could do that 
like I said, stretch a little bit. And the idea that you, you don't have to be a slave to that pattern. You can even take two patterns and go, oh, okay, I like this element from that pattern and this element from that pattern and smush them together and see what happens. Yeah, so, I love it when quilters take something that's been designed and then they add their own creative touch to it, right? Absolutely. I love to see that. Okay. And you are looking forward to teaching in person again once we're all doing that. So what kind of things do you like to teach? I like to teach technique. For example, flying geese. My first pattern was flying geese. And so the first class that I taught was on how to make flying geese seven different ways. You know, not everybody has success with the same methods. I know that there's one, one really big name quilting quilter out there who you know, really hates the quarter inch piecing feet, for example, or mm-hmm. she, she's got it. And, but it works really well for me. doesn't work for her. works really well for me. Yeah. And I think that's the same with other techniques. You know, this way of making flying geese, I get great results every time, but maybe Sally over here doesn't. And this other techniques works better for her. Yeah. And so I put together this class, the idea being, here's how to make it differently. If a pattern says do it this way, but you have better success another way, then that's fine. Use the technique that you have success with and that will, will give you good results. And so you'll want to keep going. Um, so that's what my flying geese class was about. Um, I have one on prairie points. That's not something that you see very much anymore. No, <laughs> I love don't. prairie points. <laughs> a lot of people are scared of prairie points. They think it looks fussy. They think it looks complicated. And they're really not. And I got interested in prairie points because my husband's great aunt put prairie points on all of her quilts. And so quilts that she <laughs> gave us when we got married and when the kids were born all have prairie points. And so to me, it was like, oh, okay. There was no quilting history in my family. I had no quilting history to draw on at all. And so seeing Aunt Ruth's quilts was like, oh, well, this is something you put on quilts. Yeah. And so <laughs> I learned how to do prayer points and they add a little dress up to a quilt. Yeah. Not every quilt needs it. Not every, yeah. It doesn't work on every quilt, but they can be kind of fun. And so I do have a workshop that shows you how to make them, different ways to make them and different ways to use them too. They don't have to be all the way around the quilt. Yeah. That they can look really cool instead of a binding using yeah. you're putting prayer points in with the facing. They can look really cool that way. Or you can just use them as an accent and a border. You get this little dimensional element in the border. Or you can you don't even have to have them go all around. I have some quilts that just have a few little prairie points around the corner here and a few on the side and they're just kind of like surprises yeah. on the edge of the quilt. So so that's a fun one that I do. I do have one or two quilts that I have taught, but mostly I, I like to do the techniques. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. And you have a couple of lectures as well. So what are the topics for your lectures? The first one is basically my quilting journey, where I started and where I am now and how I, you know, how I meandered through to where I am now. So that one's kind of fun. It looks at a lot of different quilts because, well, it's been 20 years worth of quilting. Yeah. So, everyone loves a good um, trunk show, right? Yeah. So, so that one's kind of fun that way. And the next one that I uh, put together and that I really love to give is called Make It Your Own. And it's all about, again, like we were talking about taking a pattern and thinking outside the pattern cover. That lecture looks at quilts that I've designed, but what else could you do with them? And I, there are some that I've made in different ways, like Wandering Geese, that first one that I made and mm-hmm. that I sold. It was so exciting that I sold a pattern. That one has a white background. And my daughter loves that one. And she she claimed that actually she was still in elementary school at the time. So okay, when I when I go away to college or when I move out, that's my quilt. So mm-hmm. she has claimed that one. But then I remade it two or three years ago. I remade it with a black background. I know my, my son loves that one. Like, oh, okay, well, I didn't like wandering geese before, but with a black background, I like that. <laughs> and so he's claimed that one. So that's just an example of how it's a very small change. You go yeah. from a dark background to a light background and vice versa, and it gives you a whole different look. And so 
that lecture looks at all sorts of different things that you can do like that. How can you change a border to make it your own? Or how can you use that block differently to make it your own? So using these patterns, but even with a the pattern, there are choices there that you can make that can change it and make it different. So yeah. that's what that lecture is about. And also a lot of quilts for that one. I'm going to have to start going through now and saying, okay, I can't take them all. So <laughs> which ones have to leave and which new yeah. ones are going back in? Because I'm starting to have a few too many to do. It would be a rather long lecture, I think, if yeah. I tried to put everything in there. Okay. Yeah. And you have so a those new, are the two I have. And you have a new one coming soon that you're working on. So tell us a little bit about yes. your new idea. My new idea is to look at how to quilt your quilt when you don't have a long arm. So I, okay. I don't quite have my, my catchy title for it yet. But basically, it's what do you do when you don't have a long arm? It's really easy and you can get some beautiful quilts by sending them up to a long arm, but it's not always possible. It's yeah. not always in the budget. Some people just like to say I've done the whole thing myself. Yeah. So I've run the gamut. I, I started with hand quilting my first several quilts. I think my first dozen quilts were hand quilts because I could not figure out that machine quilting thing. And then I moved to a walking foot and you can do a lot with a walking foot. And it doesn't have to be just straight lines. You can do some gentle curves. And so there's the walking foot and there's free motion quilting and there's ruler quilting. And you don't have to do just one. You can mix and match. I made a quilt for my parents' 50th anniversary, and I did not have time to hand quilt a queen-size quilt, but I wanted to have a little bit of something personal in there. So I sent it off to a long quilter because I was not doing a queen-size quilt on my home machine. Yeah. Um, I wasn't that ambitious, but I asked her to leave a few spots. You know, can you leave this spot and this spot and this spot? And then I hand quilted some things in there for them. Oh, nice. So you can mix and match, and you can mix and match rubric quilting with walking foot quilting. And yeah. so I'm going to be pulling all of my different examples of all of those things and showing you different things that you can do when you don't have a long arm. Well, that sounds like it'll be a great lecture. So I'm really excited about it. Okay, so let's talk about the last year and a half. It's been crazy for everyone. So how has your business shifted in 2020? It had a definite shift for the positive. It, um, it's, it's going really well. And there's a couple of different reasons that might be. I'm selling a lot more patterns and I'm designing a lot more than I ever did. So there's yeah. two things going on there. I think a lot of people had more time to yeah. sit down with a hobby and say, oh, okay, I want to get back to quilting or I want to start quilting. A lot of people had more time to get into that. And I think even as we go back to some some sense of normalcy, I think people have come to appreciate that time to sit and just create. People are carving out some time in their new schedules to do that. So that has certainly helped as far as my pattern sales go. But on the other side of it for me is that I was laid off from the quilt shop and that was a really scary thing for me. And I knew that they would be calling me back when, when business picked up again. The owner of that quilt shop, she's a wonderful lady and I loved working there. But by the time that she called me back in June, I had had these three months where I had all this time that I could do this designing without saying, okay, well, I have to interrupt and go to work three days a week. Yeah. I had, and frankly, when I was working at the quilt shop, as wonderful as it was, by the time I came home in the evening, quilting wasn't what I want to do. Yeah. Not because I was sick of quilting, it was just, I'm tired. I looked at fabric all day. It's yeah. gorgeous. It was excited. And yeah. now I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> and so I had less time. But having had those three months off and forced three months off, I had all this time to design and all this time to play. And just that right away started impacting the business in a positive way that, oh, you have new stuff. People want new stuff. And I could spend more time sharing it with people. 
And so I took the leap. When she called me back, I said, okay, don't hate me. <laughs> don't hate me, but I think I won't come back. And so it's been really good for me to just have that five days a week that is just immersing myself in the designing and in the sewing and the playing. And it's been wonderful. It's, it's, been, it's been good for the business and it's been good for my mental health too, I would say. Oh, that's so great. Well, thinking about goals or intentions moving forward, do you have any big quilt projects or plans on the horizon? What's coming up next? Well, I've got several designs on the go. That's a given. I do want to get into the video a little bit. We were talking about tutorials and how different people learn different ways. Yeah. And so I do want to figure out that, that video part yeah. to see if I can do that. So that's one big thing. And from a business standpoint, for me, I'm thinking about maybe going to quilt market. I've never mm -hmm. done that before. That's a big industry trade show. And it happens twice a year, once in, once in the fall in Houston, and then the spring one travels around. I was actually supposed to go last spring, but COVID canceled that. So yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. So I'm going to go to Houston in the fall. I won't have a booth. I'm just going to go and see how does this work? What does an average booth look like? And how does this work? And then hopefully next spring, I'll go to market with the booth and, and that should be selling at market. That's a biggie. <laughs> yeah, that's so exciting. Well, that's awesome. So before we start to wrap things up, I have a little something special I like to do with all my guests. It's called the lightning round robin. It's a series <clears throat> of rapid fire questions. So are you ready? Okay. Okay. Who is a quilter that you would love to meet one day? I'd say there's more than one. I would love to meet all those bloggers I talked about earlier that were my yeah. quilting community. Yeah. I would love to meet them in person. I have not met any of them in person. There's Katie in Michigan and Deb's in Florida. And there's a lady who goes by love in Texas. Um, oh. Anne's in Australia. They've all been very supportive, extremely supportive. And I would love to meet those ladies in person. Oh, that would be so fun. And what is your favorite notion? I would say my corner trimming tool. I think it's a Marty Mitchell tool or Michelle I don't know how you say the name but I don't use it to trim corners I, I think it was originally marketed to trim dog ears off of triangles when we were making house bar squares from triangles I don't use it for that I had that tool actually in my collection for about three years it came as a free gift with a magazine and after three years later I took out the instruction manual and there was oh you can use this to help with your binding ah. oh cool <laughs> And I've been using it ever since. I, I, I always had this problem of twisting my binding when I was joining the ends and I'd, I'd end up twisting. I had to take out my seam ripper and take it apart yeah. and try again. And I haven't had that problem since I started using that tool for my binding. So oh, cool. So what's it called again? The Marty Mitchell? I think it's called the corner trimmer. Okay, great. And what is on your design wall right now? Right now, I have four placemats and a runner that are going to be a new pattern very soon oh. and what I love about it it's mostly strip piece so it took me I think like three hours start to finish to do the whole set I haven't quilted it yet but to just piece yeah. the top from cutting to sewing the top because it's all strip pieced and you can use pretty much any theme any holiday just get a nice print that you love and find some yeah. coordinates and it will work in this pattern it's not oh, okay it's not fussy about what you use for it so I'm very excited about that one and do you have a name yet or is that going to be a surprise I'm going to call it fresh wrapped. Nice. Fresh wrapped. Okay. What like fresh veggies kind of thing. Farmer's market, fresh veggies. Yeah, sure. What color do you choose most when designing or quilting? I don't think there's one in particular. Some people would say blue, but actually when I started looking through my collection, I don't have as much blue as I thought I did. I gravitate to blue, but I think I've made a conscious decision to not make just blue, but I would say bright colors. I love bright colors. Okay. Is there anything quilters would never know about you? I had a job where I had to wear a Star Trek Federation Science Officer uniform. Oh, where was that job? <laughs> that was the Ontario Science Centre back in 19... 
96, I think it was. <laughs> they had a special exhibit that was the science of Star Trek. So they had their staff that was manning the exhibit and uh, interacting with people in the exhibit wear a Federation Starfleet officer uh, uniform. So That's my husband so does have photographic evidence of this. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. A quilter would never guess that you were a science officer for Star Trek. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> do you have any little furry friends in your studio? I do. Rosie is my, my quilt inspector extraordinaire. Anytime that I lay any quilt related anything on the floor, she lays claim to it. Always very excited to see me fluff a quilt and she loves quilts from the first day we brought her home. <laughs> and what kind of animal is she? She is a dog. The shelter told us she's a mix of a papatese and a papillon. Oh, that she's sounds a, very She's a cute. small, as my husband says, a small little frou-frou dog, but she's a really, really good company. Oh, she sounds so cute. So we've mentioned your website, canuckquilterdesigns.com, where we can go check out all of your patterns and plenty of inspiration. So, Joanna, where is the best place for people to connect with you online, social media or the blog? I would say probably at this point, Instagram or Facebook equally. I, I do I do both. I love the visual nature of Instagram, so it's fun to scroll through that. I'm better at typing on a keyboard, so Facebook is good for, for the conversation end of things. Yeah. So those are two good places. And the blog as well because has a – I'm trying to post on there once or twice a month at least so you can see what's new. Okay, sounds right. good. And what's your handle on Instagram and Facebook? On Facebook, look for Canuck Quilter Designs. Okay. And on Instagram, it will just be Canuck Quilter. Okay, great. So now we're going to get into this week's podcast giveaway. This week's podcast giveaway is so huge. Joanna's giving away a really big selection of eight hard copy patterns at over $125 value. So yay. And you can see them in the video trailer on the Quilter on Fire YouTube channel. They're right here beside me. And that's such a generous prize, Joanne. Thank you so much. I think someone's really going to have a really fun day when they open that in the mail. That's going to be so exciting. So as we wrap up, what do you want quilters to take away most from our conversation today? I think I'd like them to know that they can just quilt what they want. Just take a design and run with it. Have fun. If you're having fun, you're doing it right. Yeah. Do what you love. Love what you do. That's a great message. So Joanne, it's been so nice to hear your story today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed speaking with you. Oh, it's been fun. And that was my interview with Joanne Curtin, a quilt maker, pattern designer, and proud Canadian who has created a really great business and website with loads of educational content and over 20 patterns to choose from. Joanne's the kind of teacher that will fill your toolbox with all kinds of great new quilting skills. You can check out everything she has to offer at CanuckQuilterDesigns.com. Now, are you loving this podcast? Take a moment right now to think of a friend who might love it too. I would be so thrilled if you would share this podcast or write a review on your podcast app. The kindest thing you can do to support a creator is to introduce them to your friends. Thank you for listening to the Quilter on Fire podcast. Until next time, dream big and have fun in the studio with the Quilter on Fire.